podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, and welcome to the Nina Casa Show, brought to you in partnership with LibertyShield.com, the perfect VPN companion for all your football viewing, where you get a massive 25% off everything using the coupon, using the coupon code AIVPN. That's right, people, 25% off using the coupon code AIVPN. With Liberty Shield, you can access free UK TV from Anywhere, including the BBC iPlayer for Match of the Day, plus Sky Go, BT Sport, for all the Red Premier League games and the Champions League live games. So why not take advantage of this fantastic discount, people? And now, let's talk about this game. Now, I thought this would be smooth sailing, easy game. It's David Moyes. He's the football equivalent of Ready Salted Crisp. It was meant to be simple after the Atleti game. Oh my God, it finished 3-2. We will talk about this game. We'll go into depth, but you know what? It's not about me. We've got some awesome callers lined up and some questions. But first and foremost, let me introduce my panel. Up first, a familiar voice on AI. You know him pretty well. He's a regular on the Nina Kowser show. And you hear him on Rate.Hate as well as the Transfer Podcast. It is Tadiva. Tadiva, welcome back. Hey Nina, how are you? I'm a little bit everywhere after that game. I'm not going to lie. I am not going to lie. But, you know, we'll talk about the game. But it's great to have you back on to Diva. And Nina has been so busy. Actually, Gags has been really busy. I have a fresh voice for you. I'm unveiling our new signing on the Nina Kowser show. I'm actually very excited. Um, really looking forward to his thoughts and his opinions. It is Alex Malone from CopCon. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nina. Glad to be here. Uh, it's an absolute honour having you both on. But, you know, we've got callers as well. But before I get to the callers, I think I want to get your quick reaction as to how you're feeling after that. Because I had a very, very... That played very differently in my head before the game. And I'm feeling very different. So, Alex, because you're new, I'll come to you first. OK, um, I've, got to, I've got to be honest. I was a bit worried in the first half because... Um, there was a there was an awful lot of sloppiness and it looked like complacency to me. I mean, it, it, you know, we all think, oh, it's only West Ham, and I, I, I think it might the players might have been thinking that a little bit too because they really were sloppy, and especially getting an early goal, I think it then uh, made them feel even a little bit more casual, and it it wasn't really until in the second half when um, when. I think Klopp had seen enough and he, and he replaced Naby Keita with the Ox that it really changed the game. And uh, I, I think, you know, I can talk a little bit more about Naby Keita, but I, I think he's got, to, he's got to show a little bit more now. It's been a long time that he's been with the team. But, uh, but in the end, they got there. In the end, West Ham were hanging on and it could have ended up four or five in the end. No, absolutely. And we'll kind of discuss players and performances um, in, in, as, as the show progresses. Um, Tadiva, what about yourself? Just the overriding feeling after that game. 
Yeah, it was a bit of a roller coaster, but I think this is probably a game we needed. Um, we it's one of those that we'll probably look back on. If you look at you know how far we are in the league, even if you look at um, the criticism that the PSGs and stuff get when it comes to this end of the Champions League, it's that they don't have as much competition in their league, so that's why they struggle to to get up for the big games in the Champions League. This game, after having you know that Atletico game, I think everyone thought, yeah, Liverpool just come in, sweep West Ham. But it looked like this is the game that we need in the sense that mm. our players had to step up a level. Usually we're like, okay, we score one goal, um, we'll kind of coast our way through the game. And if we need to score another one, we can step it up. And then the fact that West Ham then went and took the lead it just showed our players once again that, okay, when we need to step it up, we can step it up. And I think this is the type of game we needed heading towards the business end of the season, just to remind everyone, yes, we can coast it, and we have kind of been coasting throughout um, throughout the season, if you can argue it that way. But if you guys challenge us and you ask us to step up our game, we can do that too, and, and we've got the momentum to carry us forward. I mean, the pressure we were putting on them it, it, it was almost like the ball was going to get sucked into the net at some point in time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought we were pretty poor against uh, Norwich City, really uninspiring. I thought we were pretty bad against Atleti. I thought this was a game to kind of turn it around, but it kind of, it almost, well, it most definitely took West Ham to be in a winning position for us to kind of wake up ever so slightly and, you know, a, a substitution from Jurgen Klopp as well for everyone to kind of wake up. You know what? We will go to callers and I have a caller lined up. Um, I'm quite excited about speaking to this caller as well. A new voice on the Nina Kauza show. Um, again, from CopCon, you might be hearing more of her from the live, but on the live of podcast as well. It's Amy Kate. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Oh my God. I feel like I can just breathe now. <laughs> this was, this was, wow. I'm not usually lost for words, but. What a match. I mean, it was such a roller coaster. I thought, like you, it was just going to be smooth sailing, no problem. But they really, really tested us. And I, I don't think we we really prepared for that. But um, it shows that Liverpool, you know, this season, that this this team really can dig deep and pull it out. And they did. And, oh, I'm relieved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, uh... Amy Kay, I, I, I share those sentiments. Do you think, I mean, I was kind of watching that and when we were kind of one, one all and like, like your um, colleague Alex there, um, I was getting really concerned at one all as well. And then when it went to two one, I was, I was like, Oh my God, this is awful. But like you and like everyone, you have full belief because we've seen this team turn it around. But I was sat there thinking, we've not looked ourselves since the winter break. I know it's going to be beneficial in the long run and you can't really grumble at this team because they've only now got only four more games to win before, you know, the, the, the dream is achieved. Um, but I was thinking they look really disjointed after that winter break. I mean, did you feel that way? I absolutely did. I feel like every we go on some sort of, you know, break, if it's, a, you know, whatever it is, if they're going out, you know, because of, um, you know, I can't think right now. <laughs> Um, you know, when, when they go play for their team, international you know, football. Yeah. Thank you. I could not spit that. I don't care about that right now. Um, <laughs> but they don't seem to come back the way they were. And it takes a two. So I, I, I have full faith in them. I know that we're going to do it. I think, you know, it does show a lot of people criticize Anderson, but he was missed today. He was absolutely missed today. And so, you know, 
Um, I, I think that the switch with, with um, Ox was a better move. Cater was just not good enough. Um, but it's okay. We're, we're, we're here We're we finished. We, we got the, we got the goal that we needed and four more to go. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And is there a specific question, Amy Kate, or should we just pick one of your points to kind of discuss? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I don't really have any questions at this point. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> Righty-ho. What we will do is, uh, Tadiva, I'm going to come to you. I think Amy Kate has made some really excellent points there. Now, the one thing that I kind of love, and I kind of saw it a lot on social media as well, and I've got to talk about him, the captain. Um, he's looked really, really incredible. And I feel like he's been really unlucky to pick up the injury when he has done, because I feel like he's looked very, very solid in the midfield, looks very established. And I felt like today, for a majority of the game, we at t- we were losing the battle and you kind of missed that maybe that Jordan Henderson you know that that kind of play you know I want to get your thoughts on that I saw a lot of um, reaction to that on social media yeah I think it, um the the important thing with uh, players that are playing in form is that you keep them on the field and anytime you take them out of the field you, remember you're bringing on a player who isn't in form uh, in most cases and that was the case in, uh, for this match where Henderson comes out, it's Naby Keita that gets the nod for this game, and he hasn't had a run of games. He's not in form. He's got the pressure of knowing, you know, if, if, you know I, I effectively have to play really, really well in this game. Otherwise, I've got the likes of Milner, mm. um, Oxlade-Chamberlain, even Curtis Jones, if you want to throw that in there as well, who have shown... Um, moments of brilliance throughout different games and, and are jumping at the bit. And also I have to fight off the fact that once Henderson's fit, he's going to be pretty much first in line to, to get his jersey back because he never technically lost it. So I think with that pressure, maybe, you know, as, as humans, I think that kind of pressure, we saw it with Ox earlier, I think in the December period where he was overthinking things a little bit. Maybe that's the case with Navigator in, in this situation. And we can't expect players to just click into into gear, especially if you're playing a 90-minute game. If if you know from the start that you're starting, opposed to if you know you're coming off the bench. For example, if the roles were reversed where Oxlade-Chamberlain started and, and Naby Keita came off the bench, I think it would have been a similar performance. It's just luck of the draw in terms of who starts because you can't really sustain the level of, of, of drive and and pace up and down the pitch that mm. Oxlade was doing in that second half for the span of 90 minutes. If you know you're going to be playing 90 minutes, that is. So yeah. I think sometimes that that criticism, um, I think you have to grade it at a curve. But in terms of Naby, I thought he was trying to find where he was best um, meant to position himself on the pitch. And then also we have to remember that all the players that, because he sort of basically slotted into where Henderson was, um, on that right-hand side. Naby usually plays on the left-hand side and likes to play on the left-hand side. If you play on the completely different side of the pitch, that is it, it messes with your mind quite a bit. There's all these different defensive shapes and how you see the field. Um, I was saying to Jody earlier, when Naby plays on the left, because he's got the right, he's right-footed and he's dribbling, he can see the whole pitch in front of him effectively because he would open his body up more whilst he's dribbling. Whereas if he's on the right-hand side of the pitch and he's right-footed, a lot of the pitch gets closed up for, for you as a player on that right-hand side. 
So then you don't necessarily get to see the entire pitch, especially if you're one of those guys that likes to dribble, look for people making runs, and you play the through ball. You won't get the chance to open your body up. So I think all those factors get played into it, and it's just adjusting to that new role. Um, obviously, with the time that he's had at Liverpool, that that's the factor that then comes in in terms of, you know, wh- when is he going to step up? But if you look at his underlying numbers in terms of chances created, link-up play, I think he's still doing fine. Mm. Um, and I think maybe the misnomer is if you look at purely assists and, and goal scoring, then maybe you might say he's not doing as well. But then when it comes to assists, if I pass the ball to you at the halfway line and you dribble the whole team and score a goal, I still get an assist. Whereas if I pass the ball to you and you miss a, a sitter, you know, no no one comes back to it three or four games later to say, well, I created an easy chance for you because they, they, that's not really a dominant stat that's used. Um, so I thought in this game, he had a few moments where um, he had really good link-up play with, with the likes of Salah. Obviously, you want a lot more from him, but I, I think I'd rather give a player a good run of three or four games before I start judging him because especially playing on that right-hand side when you're used to playing on the left, I think you just need to get in a bit of a rhythm. No, absolutely. And I think as well, Nabi Keita, because he's a player that likes to do adventurous things and sometimes it doesn't come off because he is that forward-thinking player, it can sometimes come off as a negative and, you know, he, he will like lose possession and he will lose the ball. And I think you're absolutely spot on. I think in, in, in the sense that when a player hasn't played an awful lot of games, you know, they need their rhythm, they need that consistency again. I mean, for me, like, I, I saw it as a problem throughout. I, I wasn't looking at one individual player thinking, well, you're dreadful or you're dreadful. I just thought collectively they just look really lethargic, really disjointed. And for me as well, I mean, Alex, I come to you, I want to get your thoughts on you know the whole Naby Keita and you know Jordan Henson I think we're missing that kind of player and it's a shame that he's injured right now but even that like, the atmosphere just seemed awful yeah yeah it did um going back to Jordan Henderson uh, I mean Jordan Henderson is in the form of his life right now mm. I mean we're, we're not we're not just missing you know the captain and, and a, a player who's been fairly consistent he is actually. I think. He, I mean, his goals and assists in the last few games. It normally takes him a season to get to get those figures, but he's really, really has stepped it up, and that's what we were missing. And and I think Naby Keita suffers a little bit when he's been out the team from self confidence. That's what it looks like to me. That he, he doesn't have that that gritty determination. It takes him a couple of games to. To, to get his form back. And then once he's done a few good things, he, he tends to get better. But we we then, we keep losing him all the time. He's, he, you know, he's been a couple of years now and he's probably the only one you could say, you know, he came around the same time as Fabinho. Fabinho is now completely settled in. Uh, the Ox has completely settled in. Naby's still on the fringes. And um, unfortunately, I think displays like he put in today, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep him his place. And I hear what what we're saying about you know playing on the right versus the left, but we were playing a bottom three team who um, have only won I think one of the last seven games uh, under date, and you know and they're playing for David Moyes as well, who you know never ever ever wins at Anfield, and we're twenty you know nineteen points clear going on to twenty two points clear. You, you should be showing more in a game than, than what Naby Keita showed today. 
And um, when when the ox came on, I mean, it, it was I think it was like a switch. I think, I think that's pretty harsh, actually, Alex. Sorry to put in. Then I thought that was pretty harsh because I thought I thought not not one single player when Naby went off. It could have been anyone going off. They were all tremendously rubbish. Every single one of them had been really, really poor at that point. I thought the front three were dreadful. Yeah, you know, they, for, for most, you know, so they, 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 we have the best attack in the world. I thought that was incredibly harsh. I actually thought Naby broke up the play. I was watching it with my pressing hat on. I thought he broke up the play really well when people were losing the ball in front of him. I just thought he was the guinea. I just thought he was the one who was the sacrificial lamb. Personally, I really did. And you know, he made two chances as well before. That was before we went nuts, and we only really kicked on when we started losing. Personally, I thought it was it was a, it was a really tepid display, but I would credit Ox like you have. I thought he was absolutely fantastic when he came on. He was just a driving force. But before that, I thought really everyone is having a really really poor game. Like Gomez was way off it today as well. Really poor. It was just a it's just yeah, a I'm, surprising yeah I'm, I'm, surprising I'm, display in that first. I was game. more. Oh, sorry. No, no, go on, go on, mate. I was, I was, I was trying. I was talking more about Cater over his last sort of six months when he's come in and out, and the, the effect that he's that he's had or not had on games versus the form of Je- of Jordan Henderson, who's the lad that he replaced today. I, I will, I will completely agree with you that the first half was dreadful. The first half was dreadful from anybody, everybody. Probably, you know, Trent. Trent was our Best outlet, I would say, but um, it really t- it did take until you know the shock of going two one down before the team got out of its lethargy. Because I really do think I mean I-, I was watching it thinking they think they've won this game before they've started, and um, I know Klopp doesn't allow that, but it's sort of human nature, you know, when you're 19 points clear, you're playing the team in the bottom three, and then you think you know it's human nature to switch off just that. Percent, and that's all it needs in this league. I agree. It did. They did look like for the first time that they just they weren't at it. But, well, you know what? This the, ca- the crowd didn't help, did it? Oh no, the crowd was awful, absolutely awful. I was sat there thinking, okay, maybe you know, it reminded me of last season. You know, when we had those games against. Was it? Was it West Ham last season and Leicester City where we drew those stupid games? Yeah, and the atmosphere at yeah. Anfield was awful. It reminded me of that. I don't know why, and I felt like the crowd made the players nervous, and I felt like that was the same today. But I think that's what that's why I touched on at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. What I was saying in the long term, this game is going to be. We're going to look back at this game really fondly, because if we had gone and coasted this game with the attitude that we showed in this game, I think that would have been trouble for us later on in the season because we'd continue to get more and more complacent. This mm-hmm. one was kind of a reminder to say, look, if you're going to get cocky, don't forget, you know, any team can beat any other team in the Premier League. So you have to be on it all the time. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the message that Klopp and the coaches are giving to the players now to say, yeah, you went 1-0 ahead, you're at home, you haven't lost at home in how long? But then look how how close you came, effectively. So don't take anything for granted. So I think that will help them. Um, mm. And then also on the, the navigator thing, I think also we have to remember the style of player that he is. 
he he need like if he gets the ball he looks up he he's usually one of those players that dribbles with his head up so he's looking for runners and he's looking for movement in front of him if there's no movement in front of him he's going to pass it off to the side to Trent or or something like that and then you know it it ends up being oh he's had a bad game but sometimes whether or not the movement as we were saying in the first half it was really really static so players like those um even Oxley Chamberlain would struggle in in situations like that whereas in the second half especially when Ox came on and because we're chasing the game and you know the adrenaline it's more it was more end to end even if you look in terms of possession West Ham had more pos- uh, possession in the second half than in the first half which means we got more opportunities to do end to end driving of the ball that's the type of football that those type of players like that can dribble with the ball at feet running at defenders and they have movement in front of them and then they can pick out the passes if there's no pass they can shoot whereas if they they're against that low block that um West Ham were were showing in the first half then it's a lot harder for them to drive at them because the defenders will just sit back and 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 sort of take up all the spaces where they would either be passing the ball or looking to shoot because there's just too many bodies I think it it was a it, it was a whole lot of things added together and I think to simplify it I think would be a bit dangerous but yeah definitely he I'm sure he'll be the first to say there's always room for improvement and and he'll be looking to do that For sure and Tadeva sticking with you um we've got some questions coming and it kind of ties up quite nicely as you know because we're kind of discussing this performance I know we won but you know um I've got a question here from uh, Ramiz um Akhtar and he wants to know do you think the team is focusing more on the Champions League now and just going uh, basically doing the bare minimum now because literally they needed five games before this one to kind of you know tie up the title now it's for do, do you think that could be a contributing factor as to why maybe Liverpool aren't really getting out of the gates as quick as they usually do not really because if you look throughout the season mm. our whole approach has always been um we'll, we'll do just enough and and i mean that in the in terms of saving energy mm. um being very methodical with the style of play that we're playing you'll see when we when we go 1-0 ahead the, the pattern seems to be as soon as we go 1-0 ahead we try and quickly get the second one so you you'll see us put a little bit of pressure try and get the second one if we don't get the second one within 5 to 10 minutes we slow the pace down again and then it's more methodical you see a lot of the passing from you know Van Dijk to Gomez Van Dijk to Gomez then we push the ball up the field so what we'll be doing is just moving the defense side to side back and forward sort of trying to see where what pattern defensive shapes they're making and then we can see which runs are open so it's it's sort of kind of like searching to see how they how they're shaping and then we try and attack those spaces that we see that they're leaving and there're games when you're doing that where you will score goals a lot of goals and then also in in some of those games you won't score a lot of goals cuz you'll see we don't really pepper the goals a lot especially you know when when we're starting that pattern of passing the ball sideways there'll be a lot of really good intricate build up and play but it never results in us you know where keepers having to make you know 10 saves uh, jumping left to right parry, p- pushing the ball out for corners it would either be blocks from defenders or we kind of miss that final pass so in that situation there then it results in either you know it would be 1-0 and then we're happy to coast with that if we get a second a third a fourth 
that's good because that's what we're trying to do, but we're not going to exert too much energy because then it comes into effect in this game, for example, where we still had the energy to go and chase the second and the third goal. And, you know, we were going for the fourth as well. Whereas West Ham was spent by, by the 70th minute, you could see the West Ham players were so tired because when they didn't have the ball for that whole first half, it's out probably um, for those that do watch boxing or, or watch boxing over the weekend, it's sort of like um, making investment by doing punches to the body. So when you work the body of the opponent, what you're doing is you're taking, you're sapping a lot of their energy away. And then later on, you can go for the headshots and the big knockouts. And that's effectively how we've been managing these games is the body shots are those passing the ball side to side, making sure we're moving the defense. And though it looks static, it's really tiring as a, as a defensive player to be constantly moving side to side, up and down. Concentration levels are on high alert because you know at any moment in time, Liverpool can strike. And then by the time it gets to the second half, these guys are now you know, because we haven't spent that much energy because we've been on the ball, sort of resting with the ball, we can then drive and put that enormous pressure on them. Then you see the mistakes like Fabianski, the ball going through his legs because the pressure has just built so much. No excellent analysis there to Diva. Um, really, really detailed. I mean, Alex, I'll come to you. Have you got any thoughts on that? Because it looks like, you know, this this team is all but won the league. Do you think they've got more of a focus on the Champions League as, as Ramiz, Ramiz is suggesting there? It, I, I wouldn't have thought so, and only because, you know, when you look at Jurgen Klopp's team selection, he's going all out to, to win this league as quickly as possible. I mean, he, he, it's the same back five, the same front three, and obviously the change in midfield had to be because Milner and, and Henderson are out. So, I, I, again, as I said earlier, I think it might just be more of a mental thing in terms of being so far ahead that they've sort of took the foot off the gas a little bit. And it took West Ham, you know, to score a couple of times to, to wake them up a little bit. Um, I, I think it's also human nature, though, to have one eye on the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, that they, you know, they said before, you know, the, the, the conservation of energy is a big thing. And we know we've got a big, big game coming up. I know it's a couple of weeks away, but we've, you know, we've, we've got to be ready for it. And... It, it, it isn't a coincidence that we've been winning. I think we've won half of all of our games this season now by the odd goal. We haven't been blowing teams away and we've just done enough. And today was another example of just doing enough. We almost didn't do enough and we almost got caught out. And, you know, we let two goals in for only the second time in the league this season. And that was the wake-up call. But once again, once the team was required to step it up and, and, you know, go into that next gear, they were, they were able to do it. Um, and another thing to mention, I think, you know, what, one of the things Klopp is great at is, you know, when you, start, when you start a game of football, you don't know what the opposition's lineup is going to be and you don't know what the opposition's tactics are going to be. You sort of want to level playing fields at the beginning of the game. Now, I would have expected, look, having watched them against Man City, that it would be 11 men behind the ball for the whole game because that's what they did against City. They, they didn't do that. And that probably caught the team out a little bit by surprise. Um, it worked for them. They had four or five men up, you know, uh, running at the defence at some points. 
But Klopp is brilliant at analysing a situation like that and adjusting the tactics throughout the game to match the opposition's tactics. Because as I say, you don't know what they are at the beginning, but you certainly do know what they are by half-time. And it's no surprise that in the second half, we tend to pull away from, from teams. And we've we scored so many late goals. The other team run themselves into the ground. And, you know, like like a, like in a long-distance run, you know, the, the winners run past the other guys at the end of the race. And that's what we're tending to do. This is why I love the Nina Carter show. We've had uh, boxing analogies, long-distance running analogies, all about Jürgen Redmen. I'm going to go to Amy Kate now. She's been on the line for quite some time. Amy, I'm going to come back to you. I'll let you have the last word. And also, I believe you've got some plugs for CopCon. So the floor is yours. Well, as far as um, Klopp making his decisions, I mean, just watching who he's, you know, what he's been doing for the last few years, I don't question what he does. Um, I think he has reasons to do that. Um, Players tired or he feels like, you know, he's he's really into the um, sports science of everything. And so I don't question any of it. So if if somebody's coming off, he's coming off for a reason. Um, I, I have full faith in him. Yeah, at this point, it'd be hard not to um, Amy K. He just continues to surprise us and, you know, continues to provide so much magic. And and with regards to CopCon, um, our listeners would like to know more about it. So the floor is yours. Yes. So I am one of the um, partners and organizers. Um, Alex Malone is also another one. Um, we've put together a really great uh, three-day fan fest extravaganza in Vegas. It is June 18th through the 21st. Um, there's former players. Redman TV is going to be there. Anfield Index. There's music by um, our very own Mark Kenny, as well as um, Irish Scott Talent um, a contestant. Um, Wymack, her uh, father is actually a former silver medalist um, boxer, Wayne McCulloch. And... and um, Oh, there's a bit, we have a huge pool party and there's, there's going to be so much stuff going on. Um, and then of course the big night is this night when everybody's going to come together and listen to the, to all the stories and, and, um, we've got uh, a bunch of stuff going on there. Also, um, Liver Girl, I'm part of this. It's, um, just for the ladies. We're going to, um, basically get together, celebrate, you know, women in football and empowerment and, and uh, we're going to go have a few drinks and cocktails and go on the um, high roller and um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, Ragnold, she's our host for the show. Um, she's going to do a lot of stuff for everybody. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you can get your tickets at copcon.org. And um, if you're listening now or later, um, Anfield Index has um, $20 off of the uh, tickets that you guys can use. And there's a code there for that. Um, we are really excited. The code code is Anfield Index, so it's nice and easy as well, folks. And you know what? <laughs> Check it out, people, because Gags is going to come in cosplay and he's turning up as Graham Sooness. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he's got tanned. Graham Sooness with a proper tan. Yeah. Better oh, Graham I'll touch, Gags. 
to be honest, folks, I've actually um, booked my flights today, so I'm on my way to CopCon. Don't under- actually, you know, this is a good question. If we could go as cosplay, what footballer, past or present, would we go as? You know what, Alex, I'll come to you first. What player would I go as? Yeah. Um, uh, I think I think I'd have to go as Kevin Keegan. He was my boyhood hero, and he he invented the afro for the for the the, the future gener the future generations of the Terry McDermotts and Graham Soonesses and everybody else. Okay, so there you go, Kevin Keegan, and um, Amy Kate. Who would you go as? Stevie G, always Stevie G. <laughs> always Stevie G. Okay. Yeah. Um, Anytime. I'm going as Jan uh, Moby. I'm a bit too short for that, but yeah, um, I I could pass a ball. Okay. I think, personally. Um, yeah. I did want to mention um, who we have on the lineup for the players. I didn't got so excited. Mm-hmm. I forgot to tell you. Um, we've we've got Bruce Grabelar, and um, we've got Roy Evans and Howard Gale, and Howard Gale's the first black Liverpool player, so mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Bruce and, and, and Roy, so so far, um, that, that's the lineup. Awesome. Dude, just, awesome lineup. Could be more. Can I, just add, can I just add something to that, Nina? Yes. Um, the, the, uh, the thing I think that makes CopCon different, because, you know, with, there's lots of Liverpool events, is this, this is three days. It's not just one night, it's three days. But you, we also have, you, you have complete like freedom to meet the players. It's not one of these events, you know, where where people are on stage or you, yeah. you can meet them for five minutes and away they go. It's all three days, the pub nights, all through the the meeting, Sounds very the personable. Pool party. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you, you'll be sitting, laughing, joking with them, having a drink with them, and uh, and and you know, Ray, uh, sorry, Roy and Roy and Howie were there last year and they were absolutely brilliant. I mean, lovely, lovely people. And I fully expect producers the same. Absolutely, guys. Check it out. CopCon. Gads has got the discount code there as well. Um, and Tadiva, um, who would you go as? I've got to ask you and then I'll give my shout. I was going to go as Tony Pulis, just for Guy. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Jesus, where's Drinkle? Where is he? What's he done to our guest? He's ruined him. Jesus Christ. Tony. Just for a laugh. <laughs> well, you're going to get the pelters, aren't you, from everybody? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> if it has to be, a, if it's a Liverpool player, then it would be Sturridge then. Oh, yes. Do the dance, mate. <laughs> come on then, Nina. Everyone's waiting for this because you're going to come out with the stupidest one. Everyone knows. I'm not going to come out with the stupidest one. You know, I'd go as Patrick Berger. Oh, for a minute. <laughs> Why? Alice Band, it's easy. Oh my God. <laughs> no effort. Right, that's that. either him or Yossi Benayoun because he's short. I'm, 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 you know, I'm still playing. Yeah, you look like him as well. <laughs> oh, that is that's harsh. <laughs> You know what? Get lost. I want to talk about the game. I'm going straight back to Alex. Alex, let's talk about this game and let's kind of talk about the goal scorers. First things first, you spoke about Trent there as well, being the creative output from from pretty much the get-go. Puts in a lovely cross and that boy, Ginny, who, you know, gets gets a header, you know, opens up the scoring. So I want to get your thoughts on that one. Well, it's great. It's great to see the midfield scoring more goals Mm. this season. That's yeah, they have we, been doing we, that this season, yes. 
Yeah, and you know, and Ginny, Ginny, Ginny was having a, a tough time for a while. He, he scores a load of goals for the for his country, not so much for you know for Liverpool. So good to see him getting another one. Um, the uh, we we have to admit that their goalkeeper um, helped us out a lot today. Mm. Uh, there was a, I mean, Mo's Mo's goal as well. Um, both of them he probably should have saved, but then again, he came up with a couple of cracking saves as well. But um, you know, I was. I was sort of reliving Trent's Trent's performance, and you know he gets another. Was it two assists today or one? I can't. I can't remember. Two, two assists. Two, two assists. Yeah, assists yeah. Yeah. It could have been three if it wasn't the offside, right? Yep. Yep. It would have been yeah. three for him. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable the most assists for any player over the last two seasons, and uh, he 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 was to me he was the one who stood out. And uh, to me, actually, you asked me about Trent and Ginny, and I. Would have at half time. I would have said they, those were the two players who I think uh, didn't uh, need criticism. They 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 both they both put the effort in, and they they were both uh, they weren't great, but you you couldn't really fault their efforts. And um, you know, it, it, in the end, I think you know Trent Trent makes a big difference again. What a creative outlet he is. No, absolutely. He's incredible, that boy. Absolutely incredible. And um, I have to agree. I thought he liked the consistent. And Tadiva, I shall come to you. Get your thoughts on that. I like the fact that we kind of mentioned the goalkeeper there. And uh, he, you know, he did produce saves, but both of those goals, I, I felt like he, his hands were made out of prone crackers. The interesting thing with uh, that, what Fabinho was trying to do, if you look at, um, and we've spoken about this cheap plug on rate and hate uh, for quite a lot of the season, is that when Allison makes saves, he makes sure he pushes the ball away from the danger area. So not just pushing it, you know, not just making a save, but when he makes a save, the ball either goes for a corner or it goes completely out of the box which means, you know, the next shot coming in is either going to have to be a, a wonderful shot from outside the box or the other team is getting a corner. And if you look at the way Fabianski approached to save that genie header, he was trying to push the ball away, similar to what Allison does, instead of just making a save and then maybe someone can just come in and tap it in when keepers parry it, like what uh, Hugo Loris does quite a lot. Um, and because he tried to put too much effort in pushing it away, he ended up missing the ball kind of and hitting it with his um, wrist instead of with his hand. And that's what caused it to go into the back of the net. So it's just further reminder of what Allison does. He makes it look easy, but it's, it's, it's quite an art form where, what he does. So I thought that was my biggest take from that goal and the fact that Genie was inside the box. I'm not sure if he was lost or something. <laughs> Oh, he's probably thought he's playing for Holland, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what, though? Side note, the man has, like, literally the best smile in football. You cannot even debate me on that. You can't. Literally, yeah. Literally the best smile in in football. And you know what? Let's kind of talk about what happened uh, straight after. And Alex, I'll come to you because we conceded. And I was a little shocked because, you know, it was a shot and... Um, at first, uh, um, the the commentators were like, "Oh, Emma, it looks like Valencia's all over him." No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And uh, you know, Allison gets beat at his near post. I was a bit taken back by that. Yeah, as we say, you know, Allison's got fabulous technique, and he's been—he's another one. He's been at the absolute top of his game. He's looked unbeatable. So 
So to actually concede like that and, and you know, uh, maybe he's watching Fabianski because uh, he he doesn't normally make mistakes. And, I, I, you know, every goalkeeper is going to make the odd mistake. And, um, you know, we can forgive him because of, I mean, look at the save he came up with at the end in the 88th minute as well. Mm. I know it hit him on the head. I know it hit him on the head, but he made himself big. But, yes. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's I mean, West Ham, they did have a go. But they still only had three efforts on target, but they scored twice, and that's that's very rare. As um, I think Gag said earlier, you know Gomez Gomez looked a little rattled. Uh, the whole back four seemed a little rattled that they were getting ran at because they're not used. There's to a lot of space that. today as well. I noticed. Y- yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There was, um, and uh, they they just they just weren't as authoritative as they mm. normally are, and. Um, you know, credit, credit West Ham. They, you know, they, they did have a goal. I mean, they, they scored twice, but they had two or three other very promising positions as well that they, they could have got a third. We were, we, were, we were worried from corners. I mean, I think we gave up six corners in half an hour in the first half. And, uh, and every one of them caused us a little bit of panic at the back. So I think, I, I think when you roll it all together... The, the the team were taken aback a bit by West Ham's approach, and that unsettled them. The more they got unsettled, the more they just couldn't get back into the groove of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll come to you, Tadeva, because again, um, Alex made a really good point there. Conceded from another set piece. We did the same against Atletico Madrid. Yeah, but uh, I I don't know if we can read too much into the fact of you know I I didn't see it as like bad marking or anything. To, to that effect, we've seen some shocking marking from corner kicks uh, over the years for Liverpool. But I think the interesting thing for me for that one um, was Genie was on the near post and as soon as the corner was taken, he stepped up. Um, I don't know whether he thought either I'm going to get to the ball or because the, the obviously the corner comes near post and they have two markers there and they've got a runner coming in and Genie sort of runs forward either to go and get the ball and then he halfway he realizes he's not going to get there or it's a plan for him as soon as the corner's taken he pushes off the corner post so that anyone that's that pushes forward gets caught offside i don't know if that's planned or if that was just instinct on where the delivery went to but the fact that Ginny left the post he was standing where um where the ball would have come and and he i thought he would have been able to clear it and then if you look at when Allison got up, he was either shouting at the referee for the fact that um, Antonio was like uh, basically all over him or the fact that he, he was looking at Genie to say, stay on the post because then you would have cleared it away. And based on how, how good Allison is with his positioning, I was leaning towards him, you know, having a discussion with Genie of why didn't you stay there? Because I know that side is covered. Because when, when we talk about goalkeepers getting beaten near post, in that situation, if I'm Allison and I've got a guy standing on the near post, I'm not going to drift towards that side because I know that's covered. It would make more logical sense, and especially with the positioning keeper like he is, to cover the rest of the goal because that gives us a better chance of stopping them getting the ball into the net. Whereas if that guy now leaves, I've already made my calculations that he's going to be there and then that just throws me off. So I don't know if you guys picked up on that as well. I didn't actually, but any chance it was nerves? 
after they conceded one after so long in, 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 in midweek that they conceded another one and then every single corner after that just felt so nervy, you know, rather than rather than excellent play from West Ham and maybe that's discrediting him a little bit, but it just felt like going back in time, like maybe two, three years where every corner that came in, we just shot ourselves. But and also we have to give credit to the delivery because all those corners, oh, yeah. they were delivered Snodgrass really, really to start well. With was, was brilliant with his corners, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and I even, think that plays a factor. Afterwards was, was great. But I just thought, I just, I just thought that we got very nervous and you're right. Positioning. Maybe Bobby wasn't clearing much away either. Normally he's the first line. Mm-hmm. And he cleared stuff away. It was it just was all it was all over the place that in this game. But thankfully, the result wasn't all over the place. No, it wasn't. And to do I stick with you, talk to me about the second goal because uh, that was a humbling, brief period of time for me. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought for me, I actually wasn't as nervous as maybe I would be in, in the past because. We turned the pressure on and it looked like at some point in time we were going to break them. The only concern Mm. for me was if we scored too late and then it would end up being a draw instead of a win, we wouldn't be able to get two goals. But I I thought we were putting enough pressure on them that at some point we were going to score. Um, The the player that really stood out for me uh, in that second goal, this is the one that Salah scored, yes? Um, For that goal, I thought um, Firmino did really, really, if you look at Firmino's run inside the box, especially for a guy who's quote unquote not a traditional number nine, I thought he made the traditional number nine run because what what he did was as the ball comes to Robertson, um, one of you guys, if if you sort of playing two guys up front, which is effectively what we're doing on that build up because Salah was quite um, he was quite tucked in, was that one of you guys has to make the run to the near post. And because Firmino is the one closest to Robertson, he makes the run to the near post. And what that does is because he flashes in front of all the defenders, because they see him because they're facing Robertson. So they effectively see him go across their line. They all get dragged with him deeper towards their goal. And what the guy at the back, the, the striker at the back post does is he makes a run from effectively from the chicken box and he makes a, 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 a an angled run back to the penalty spot. It's sort of like a set piece play that you 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 practice as strikers, especially if you're playing as a uh, two man striking force. And then in this case, where um, Salah was tucked in, even though he's playing out wide, is Firmino makes the run f- uh, forward. All the defenders see him make that run, so they dr- he drags them into the box, and Salah just runs around the back. And then as the the left back, you know that movement um so he knew exactly what was going to happen and he cut it back right to that spot where Salah ended up so you could see that was a set piece and it's a very traditional uh striking set piece and then if you look at also that all Salah has to do is put the ball um anywhere towards the goal because one there's so many bodies in front of the keeper that he's probably going to see the ball late and two the fact that um the 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 pace of the ball coming towards you, you just have to guide the ball towards the net. Don't try and hit it too hard, otherwise you're probably going to hit it over the bar. Um, obviously, Fabianski will be the first to raise his hand and say, I made a mistake there, but I think it was the movement and the bodies that were in front of him that caused him to make that mistake. So I gave that credit to 
to Firmino for that run. That was the perfect, in inverted commas, traditional number nine run. Oh, Tadiva, God love you. You know what? To pick up that analysis, watching that game at that time, and that quote comes to mind. Um, you, you know, when you watch Firmino, you, you see the game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, literally, just you speaking about that goal. I'm going to come to you, Alex, because I'm going to be honest with you. All I saw was uh, Salah just hitting it and uh, Fabinho just making a bit of a hash of it, like you've alluded to in, in your previous point, and me just going absolutely ballistic because then it was a case of yes it's ours now you know it was just a matter of time we get the winner i want to get your thoughts on that goal yeah yeah i'll, I'll have to watch it again to, to get the analysis <laughs> <from> me, <no. laughs> but um i i all i remember is is um andy robertson putting in a you know a, a lot of goals in football these days are scored from that cutback you know man city do it all the time and the cutback rather than the cross across the box the cutback to players running onto it, and that, that, that was another example. I mean, Mo, Mo didn't catch it right, but, you know, luckily the, the goalkeeper made a mistake. I I was a little bit more nervous in this game. Um, I've sat there smugly most weeks thinking it's a matter of time. We're going to win this. But what, there's a couple of things that made me nervous. One was the first half that Mo Salah had had. Uh, he just didn't see him at the races, although you never know with Mo, he can pop up at any time. But... He, he did seem to be off it. But the other thing was, um, Bobby, you know, I, I wonder, has any team ever won the league by more than 20 points? Um, won every home game and not had the number nine score a home goal? It's incredible. I mean, he, 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 he can't buy a goal at the moment and it wasn't going for him at all. Uh, he, he, he had a really good chance at the beginning of the second half as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, he put, he put one over the bar. He tried yep. to get it into the top corner, put over the bar, and then and then the other one, you know, it it, it bounced across to him, and and he, he tried to edit in, and he edited onto the post, and it just wasn't going for it. So I was thinking, it's not going for Mo, it's not going for for um, you know, for for Bobby. Uh, Manny had been well marshaled at the time, so I was getting a bit nervous, but of course they 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 stepped it up as I mentioned earlier. They found that extra gear. West Ham tired, and as, as the more West Ham tired, the more space that Bobby Mane and Mo got. And I, I, honestly, I think if we gone ten more minutes, it would have it would have been a fourth and a fifth goal, not not a third one for West Ham. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I thought the Bobby miss on the post was a tough one, to be honest. It was quite hard to score. It was just it was weird, it was tough. Such yeah, such a weird bounce, wasn't it? I thought I thought actually. I mean, it was more likely that Mo would score from that chance than the one that Billy Fabianski let in. He, he made a really good save from that one from Mo, pushed it onto the bar or whatever, or, or over the top or whatever it was. So they were, like I said, I mean, we, we go on about how, you know, it was touch and go, but we, we totally deserve to win this game, Nin. Yeah, if you look at the numbers, the shots that we had and then, you know, the corners and everything, yeah. 2.38 to 0.68, you know, that's a 2-1-ish win or 2.5 to, yeah, so it's, you know, it was about right by one goal, but we definitely deserved it. And we let them in a little bit towards the end as well with a couple of, you know, hey, we're just getting nervous today. But honestly, there was a few in the Discord channel, you know, um, the game when 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 we were talking about it live that said, you know, maybe we didn't deserve to win. Yes, we did. We literally deserved to win this. I'm not having anybody else say that, that, that we didn't. We we did. Listen, if the ball came off John Moss's ass, 
we still deserve to win. Well, also, let's talk about him because he was an absolute dickhead. Wasn't Can he? I just tell you my oh, favourite thing about John Moss is he moves at a at this very, very slow pace, like, obviously, uh, I'd like to see his fitness tests, and he just moves his arms really fast. I'm sorry, it's such a mood. Yeah, absolutely. Was, uh... He's pace walking, but his arms are going at some frantic pace. Yeah, I don't like him. He's not a good referee. And... No, he's not a good referee. He's not a good referee. And, you know, there was a few shouts there that he just kind of didn't want to acknowledge. But luckily, we're not sat here, and we don't really have to talk yeah, about him. talk about Ox. We can talk about Ox, but before we talk about Ox, can we just quickly talk about the last goal? Because I thought Gomez was brilliant in this one. I mean, what did you guys think? He's the one that kind of sweeped it up and then passed it over to Trent, right? And then Trent puts in the cross. Well, he took he took a shot. <laughs> it was a it was a Van Dyke yeah, shot. Everton, wasn't it? Yeah, Where yeah. Just pot, pot shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It def- it deflected to Trent, didn't it? Yeah, but, so he uh, couldn't be offside either, which is perfect. It, it, it was, it it was coming though, wasn't it? I mean, it, it, at that point, I was sure that we were gonna because West Ham were all over the place by that point, and and we were we were like the Alamo, we were after them, and it was it seemed a matter of time. Uh, can I just mention one thing about Gag saying, you know, we were nervous? There might be one other reason why there was more nerves today. You know, last time we won seventeen in a row, and we I drew at Man United for the 18th and this time we were we were five minutes away from making that 18 uh 18 wins they, in a row do you think they, they care about the the stats alex like the the records like that do you really think that they they notice that or they feel that i think the only time they will is on 49 uh, or 48 49 i think they will then because you know that's going to be the um that's going to be the one where it's historic, you know, trying to get to that invincible record is is something of legend. You become the best team ever, you know, in the Premier League his, in history. But 18 wins, is it that big a deal to them? Do you think? It's it's the most it's the most it's, there's ever been. So yeah. so to match it. And, and I think, you know, every time you, you listen to them interviewed, right, we don't care about records, next game only, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. But every time you, you every time you listen to ex players, right? Ex players are like, yeah, you really care about these records. Mm-hmm. Like when when you're going for them, they matter, and you, you can guarantee they they knew that if they won today, first of all, they kept they're on for the only team to ever win every home game, which they're still on for now, and they were going to match the, the the record number of wins in a row. So I think maybe even sub, subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's bettering yourself, isn't it? You're, you're in competition with yourself, Gags. You know, we work out. We want to be our last best, right? You yeah, do? Absolutely. Always. So why yeah. is it any different for these guys? I guess. It's just that you, you kind of feel like they're a well-oiled machine nowadays. Yeah. and it doesn't, it doesn't phase them. I suppose you yeah. kind of believe what they say when they come off the pitch. But maybe maybe Alex has got something in that, you know, where they do they do want to be... They, they are striving to be the number one, or they can see at least in their, you know, just close, so close, it's touching distance now, not only the Premier League win, but but greatness, greatness mm-hmm. history. Yeah. They could be going down as an unforgettable side, you know, and I suppose that's going to play on you. So Watford's going to be even bigger because literally every game for them is going to be huge. And you guys had a quick chat about the Champions League and how important it was. And personally, I would have said now, because it's in touching distance, it, it, you know, that... That game on March the twelfth, is it? Is or eleventh, whichever one it is, 
is going to be is is humongous for us because we cannot afford to go out of that competition at this stage. We just can't. It has to be everything, you know, everything on the line in that game. So, but then, like Alex said, if they really care about every single game, then Watford is now the biggest game of the season to them because there's something on the line. Nineteen games, it's on the line. So whereas. Sky might want to push before the game. It was a nothing kind of game, you know, and then they were trying to push us against that we were going to lose. But it might just be what Alex says is is what Liverpool players are thinking. Every game is a must win because they want to they want to achieve something that maybe nobody ever has. With gags, and also I think this is probably what results in the culmination of what Klopp's been trying to do throughout his time at Liverpool, especially if you look at the early days where. Um, players would miss a chance and then maybe the crowd would, you know, gasp or there'll be mumblings. And then Klopp will be trying to jeer the crowd to say, no, no, clap the player, congratulate, you know, cheer him for the effort so that he can do it again. You can see that now in these players. So, for example, we're talking about them knowing the records as competitive athletes as they are. Um, I, I, I certainly think they do know the records and, and they do keep an eye on them. And then remember, they also have their own personal internal records of, let's say, for example, I want to personally score 20 goals this season if, if they're one of the front three or something like that. So those goals are also on their minds as well. We can't yeah, forget those. Because Mo's ahead of him in the goal scorer. So exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was pissed when he went off. <laughs> So they've got those as well that that we tend to forget. You know, if you're a defensive player, they might be thinking, I don't want to concede for the next five games. That will be the personal goal they've set. So for them to concede in this game, what what usually happens is it won't necessarily, whilst they're playing, they won't be constantly thinking, okay, we need to win the 90. We need to, maybe before the game, they know it and, and they think about it. Whilst you're playing the game itself, they might not necessarily be thinking about that b- bigger picture. But what they'll start to think about a lot is the moments within the game. So if, let's say, Salah makes a run and um, and someone passes the ball to him and he, and he does a really bad touch and the ball goes away from him, it might take him three, four, five, ten minutes of him still thinking of that, oh, if I just touched the ball like this, I could have done this, I could have stepped in, or if I dribble at the guy and he takes the ball away, oh, I should have cut in, or I should have gone wide and crossed it. Like, these are the type of battles that they have. But what Klopp's been trying to do, and you can see with the way the team has developed, is he's trying to, not just also in signing players that are quick to forget mistakes, like the Allisons, where, you know, Allison can make a mistake and he'll still have a 10 out of 10 game for the rest of the game because he's just built like that mentally. But you can see some of the other players, they're also developing that trait as well of, okay, yes, we know that we need to be winning this game. We know every game is important. Oh, I've just made a mistake. Okay, they might dwell on it a little bit in the first half where they were making the mistakes, but in the second half, they can turn it on you know, to keep going. No, I have to go again. No, I have to go again. We will eventually score. They now have that belief to be able to switch that mode to continue going, 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 um, which I think is really, really important. In previous seasons, I don't think we go and win this game. Previous seasons, at best, we draw. It's championship mentality as well. They're, they, they, Their self-belief after Barcelona and all the things that they've achieved is is unrivaled now. And I think you're right. They... Someone like Trent, who's, who's a kid, still a kid for me anyway, he's, he, it doesn't matter how many bad crosses he put it, puts in, he will not stop crossing that ball. 
he knows he's going to get one right and he perseveres and he's been frustrating in the last couple of games but today he comes good and Nin a little plug for AITs we put out we put our discount today for scouts in our team and I did say to you but he's going to assist tonight yeah now that he's going to score I was like damn percent off folks um Scouser in a team top, um, it's a sweatshirt. So go and have a look on the app. Well, you know what? Whilst you're here, let's talk about Ox because you really want to talk about him and he did make a difference. And you know what? I did not pick up the Gomez deflection. I thought the wind was doing crazy shit. I noticed well, that in the game. Why. You need to wear your glasses when you watch the game, innit? <laughs> Whether in your stadium or at home, I tell you this every time, blind bat. Leave me alone. Let's talk about Ox. I did notice him and he was very good. And well, he made a difference. <laughs> so the, I think the difference between the two in terms of Cater and uh, Ox when they ca- when he came on was just was just pure directness. Yes, Ox was just absolute. I think he got told as well when he was coming on. I just want you to run at these people, pass, cross, run, just charge into them. And I think, I mean, Mars talked to Alex because we talked mentioned him earlier. I think that is exactly what he did. He literally just ran at them or chased them or harried them or dribbled and crossed it. I mean, or shot. The first thing he did was have a shot, I think. He was just he was yeah. just on it. He reminded me of the Ox before he picked up the unfortunate injury this season. Yes. Start of the season. Or, you know, yes. When he was just scoring yeah. goals for fun. Yeah, for me, um, the Ox, like when he, when he first started at Arsenal, he was like that. And then Arsenal shuffled him, shuffled him here, there, and everywhere, and he, he sort of lost his mojo a bit uh, in terms of, of that. And when he's come to Liverpool, he's he's been given that freedom again. He's given, been given that role again, and it took him a while at first when he first came from from Arsenal to, uh, as it does with most players, to, to to you know to to find his feet. But he offers us now something. That I don't think any other of our midfielders offers us in terms of that speed of, of foot, like his, his directness at running at goal. And, and let's face it, no defender, whether it's left back, right back, or central defenders, likes when players are running at them. And especially when they know that he's got a, a hell of a shot at the end of it as well. And um, he's, he's a unique weapon, I think. In, we've got a, a hell of an, ars- an arsenal. In a, or an armory, I should say, not Arsenal. An armory in our midfield with with all different players, but but he's the one that can that can really uh, drive through the centre of that midfield and 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 scare the defenders. I agree. I think um, I think as well to Diva Miles. See, I've taken over now. In you just shouldn't have let me in. Shouldn't have let me in. You let yourself I? in, uh, you know, and I'm just too nice to not say no. Maybe it's something I need to learn you're, on. You put your feet up, you're just chilling now, aren't you? Anybody? I'm like, Gags is hosting. Uh, I'm going to go now <laughs> after this and I won't come back. But Tadima, one point on the midfield is there were some people complaining about Ox a couple of weeks ago that he wasn't having an impact and then they wanted Naby and Naby's not had much of an impact today. But then Ox comes in and has an impact. And I think it's just nice to have players that can come off a bench with absolute, you know, quality in them. Especially from the midfield. I, I think it's genius from Klopp um, because I, I heard a few shots of um, I, that people wanted both Naby and Ox to start this game. I think it works better when one of them comes off the bench because they have to one-up each other. 
because they both they both effectively have the same role in the team. They might not necessarily accomplish it the same way, but their role is effectively to be the most attacking player of that midfield three if we are playing a midfield three. And if Cater has a game where, let's say if Cater has a, a blinder today and he plays really well and then he comes off at 60 minutes and Ox comes on, Ox is like, oh crap, I need to do even better than he did. You know what I mean? Or in reverse, like in this game, where Cater didn't really have a, a, a good game. So then Ox is coming off the bench thinking, this is my chance. Here we go. Whereas if they're both playing together, especially with the high energy, high impact players, and with the style of play uh, uh, we were talking about earlier, where we try and tire the team out and then we can bring the guys that have that direct pace and and even like, you know, the Origis that come in into the game late in, in the game when they don't start, they can drive at players because they're tired. I think it works better when you rotate Oxen and, and Naby and sort of play them against each other. Sibling um, rivalry. <laughs> create a rivalry. If you yeah. can create rivalries within a squad, obviously in a competitive sense, yes. not in, in, a, in, a, in a negative sense, I think that works a, a, a lot better as well. Like you, you see the rivalry with Salah and Mane and people try and blow it up to more than it is. But it's basically like a, I'm going to score more goals than you type thing. I, there's no malice in it. I think if, if, if we're clever, we could really create one with Naby and Oxlade. And I think both of them would be better for it. Mm, interesting. Okay, I've got a question here from Steve Peterson. I'll come to Alex first on this one. My question, um, do we start Naby or Ox against Atleti or both? Um, I don't I, I don't think we, we play them both together. Um, I'm, I, it was just mentioned. I think, uh, I think the, the more impactful um, as one of the three, not two of them together, I think we, we, we've got to stick with Ginny, we've got to stick with Fabinho. I personally would go with, with Ox because of, you know, he deserves it after that cameo today. But also, I think he can put the fear of God into Atleti. They, you know, we know how they play. We know how brilliantly organised they are. And it's hard to pick through, pick the lock. And they're going to they're gonna play every dirty trick in the book. We know that. And Ox can come up with a, a shot out the blue for, for you know at any given point, and um, he's a bit more unpredictable as well. And they don't like to be run at. They they they, they like to they they like to close all the gaps, but they don't like to to have someone running at them. And I, that's why I'd pick him. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all to to see him like slam one in from twenty five yards when we've uh, when they've frustrated us for half an hour. Oh, nice, nice, nice. And Tadiva, I'll come to you. Who um, uh, For Atletico Madrid, who would you go for? Yeah, I agree with Alex in the sense that I'll definitely go with one of the two, especially considering it's still only it's only 1-0. So we don't want to go full-on attack and then leave ourselves exposed at the back. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a danger in that if we're playing both Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain. And I think we, we're more than capable of getting at least one goal with just one of them on the pitch and the rest of all the creativity that we do have with the Alexander-Arnold, Robertson pitching in, and then our front front players as well. So for me, I would do the same thing that we did against West Ham of mm. playing Cater first. And the reason I will do that is because I want Ox later in the game because Ox is more prone to take that shot. 
than Keita is. Keita would rather look for the pass first, then take the shot. And I'd rather have the person that's willing to take the shot later on in the game because when their defenders have been sitting so deep mm. for so long and, and they would sit deep with a player like Keita who um, mm. is looking to unlock the door and look for a pass, when an ox then comes onto the pitch... and He's like a Diva Karigi, basically, of the midfield. <laughs> he is. But, and, and also, when he comes on and, and he's willing to take the shot, what that does is that's going to draw their defenders further up the pitch because they're like, oh, crap, we can't sit back because otherwise he's going to score a long-distance shot. We have to press him. And that then leaves more space for our front players. And as I said, him coming on against a tired team, being able to drive and... We know he's got a better shot than Naby. I think that could be a, a, a better fit later on in the game if we need it than the other way around where Naby's coming on and he's looking to pass because then they'll just keep sitting deeper and deeper and there won't be enough space for everyone else to operate. Nice. I like it. Okay, so we're going to pick with one and uh, I'm with you guys. I, I'm quite happy with one of them as well and then use the other one as a, as a sub and It'll be very interesting to see how Klopp does that and also um, a, a keen eye on Jordan Henderson's recovery as well. Guys, we've come to the end of the show. Let's do Man of the Match and then we'll get some plugs. Who was your Man of the Match and why? And Alex, I will come to you first. Uh, it has to be Trent. Mm. I, think, I, think he, uh, I think he was uh, a notch above most of the other, other mm. Liverpool players in the first half. He got, he got two assists. He had a couple of, he had a couple of other efforts as well, and um, I mean full full commitment. I, 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 you know, I'll have to watch it back to see just how much more he did. But he he was certainly a, an eight out of ten for me in the end today. Yeah, absolutely, completely positive compared to what happened against Atletico Madrid. I thought he completely turned it around. What about yourself, Tadiva? For me, it was David Moyes. <laughs> I cannot catch a break at Anfield. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but also the fact I I thought he was he his tactical you know um, ability or lack of ability um, in that second half they they had more possession in the second half than in the first half in a game where they were leading surely you now park the bus or something or make it harder for us to to get towards the goal but it was more end to end towards the end and. I thought that really played into our hands. We know we love to play end-to-end when teams come at us. Um, but from a Liverpool perspective, yeah, I think Trent definitely played really well. Um, he was creative. He was looking to run forward. He also had a shot, I think, around 31 minutes where um, I think it was Firmino played the ball across to him and then he ran onto it. And I thought maybe he should have driven through the ball instead of side-footing it, but he tried to side-foot place it. And then also he had a through ball, I think around 46 minutes, where um, he kind of cut three of their defenders out and Firmino um, tried to run onto the ball and curl it into the far post. And then he sort of stabbed it instead of guiding it and, and it went a bit high. But I thought Ox was really, I mean, sorry, Trent was really operating at a, at a high level in this game, especially creatively. I think it's a full house for Trent Alexander-Arnold and uh, I'd just like to echo Gag's plug. He We have 15% off on AITs on the Scouts for our team, so do check that out. It is wonderful. I love the design, so get on that one, guys. Guys, I'm going to come around and get some plugs before we, you know, then we can just close this show off. So, um, Tadiva, I'll come to you. Where can people find you on Twitter and more of your work, please? 
Um, Twitter, you can find me on the ace of knave seven, the numeral seven. Um, and then in terms of plugs, we've got Rate Don't Hate that should be coming out this week. Um, I think we'll be recording it either tomorrow or probably tomorrow. So subscribers, get your, your votes in. It'll be interesting to see what the, the ratings are for some of the players. Um, and then in terms of the Pro Wrestling Index, I think we should have one either next, probably next week, uh, just waiting for their um, tour. Um, they don't like to say where they're going, but uh, basically the Saudi Arabia tour that WWE are doing. And then John Cena's coming back on Friday, so there should be quite a bit of news to talk about next week. Excellent, excellent. Do do follow Tadiva down Ace of Nave Seven, the Ace of Nave Seven. And Alex, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you. Where can people find you on social media? And also um if you want to do another plug for Copcon just to make it fresh again and where can people find more of your work? Yeah, um so I'm I'm absolutely rubbish on Twitter, so don't try and find me there. I am on there, but not very often. But you, you can find me on Facebook. I, I normally use Facebook and We've actually got two CopCon pages. We've got um, CopCon events. So if you go to, you can either just go to Alex Malone or you can go to CopCon events or you can go to CopCon 2020. So they're, they're the three. Um, obviously, the, there's, there's a lot of announcements coming out about CopCon. If, any, if anyone wants to find out more, they can instant message me that way. And, and also, um, uh, you can find me on This Is Anfield because I do write articles on uh on this is Anfield every, well, probably once or twice a month. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So, guys, do check them both to Diva at the CopCon event out. It's going to be incredible. Um, just, you know, get get your discount code sorted and uh, get to Vegas. Three days of pure fun. X Legends, full access. Make it personal. Meet fellow Reds as well. I know sometimes it can be hard for global, global LFC fans to I kind of reach out. That all the all those that met me in the states this this summer for the European Champions League party, this is the Premier League party. We're gonna win it and we're gonna party in Vegas. So the best party of the summer is gonna be in Vegas. Here. I'm gonna be there. Make sure you turn up again and we're gonna party the three. That's actually actually I'm there for six days, so we can make it six days if you want. It's all good. Gonna get really jealous. Gonna get really jealous. It seems like I'll a lot of fun. Jealous because the pictures, the, the live video. I'm gonna block you. <laughs> I did not see it. Did not see it. So, no. But but let me just say as well, you can book your hotel, flyercopcon.org, great deal there. And then the tickets are there. Make sure it's Anfield Index as the code as well. Okay, twenty dollars off. Nick, That's the best deal you're gonna get anywhere. Yeah, Nina, can I can I just say one last thing about it? The the um, the final the final night of Copcon it is gonna be we are celebrating the Premier League champions because we are gonna be And European champions. Being European champions, Super Cup champions, and world, uh, world club champions, all in one. And the last night, at the end of the night, and I'm, I'm picturing this in my head, I'm sure everyone else can, we're going to finish it, obviously, with You'll Never Walk Alone. But You'll Never Walk Alone is going to be done on stage with all of the fans, Roy Evans, Bruce Grobola, Howard Gale, Wayne McCulloch, Wymach, Mark Kenny, and potentially other celebrities that might be coming along as well. It's going to be one fantastic end to the event. Sounds bloody epic. Uh, do get your tickets. It sounds like one that you should not miss. And if you miss, you will regret it, guys. So 
go 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 and book um thank you so much for these two incredible gents it's been an absolute pleasure um alex and tadiva it's it's been incredible a massive thank you to um Amy Kate as well, who came on and plugged um, CopCon, Gags as well for just jumping in and gate crashing. Um, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Whilst I have your attention, some plugs from me, do check out AITs. Thank you so much for all the incredible feedback and support. It's been doing so well. Really, really humbled. Love seeing your selfies. Keep sending them. You, your selfie game is strong. And that is coming from me, people. So I'm there you have it. Masters of, of the of the game today, and I think that game proved it. Masters of the game t-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts are out now. So go and check that out as well on AITs Masters of the Game, and it's a it's it's basically um, inspired by He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the actual logo. So if you're any He-Man fans out there, like when I was as a kid, then you'll love this one. So go and have a look at it, and it's Masters of the Game. That's what Liverpool are, the masters of the game. And there's six stars on there as well. And you'll know why. So, yeah, go and check out AITs.co.uk. Also, when you're on there, a little pop-up comes up. Put your put your email in and you'll get a 10% discount. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Yep, do check that out. And I do love the masters of the game. It's got a really retro feel. Also, if you're on Instagram, I post kind of videos. Check me out. My username on Instagram is the Nina Kauza Show. I talk about Liverpool. Obviously, what else would I talk about? Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you so much for your questions. Enjoy that. It's been fun. Four more to go, people. Four more to go. Till next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.